Today on Stick to Football, Connor and I coming to you from the BR London offices. This place is is a lot of fun, actually. I love this office. It's awesome. It's very old school Bleacher Report. They were nice enough out here to share the space with us, the BR Football Ranks guys. This is their home base, and as you can see... Switch it out with something a little different. Yeah, we're going to actually burn this studio to the ground when we're done. So that's just <laughs> that's uh, nice of us. hashtag America. Um, but we've had a lot of fun here. It is time to get back talking about our good old American football, though. A good show today. We're going to go around the league. We're going to do some stock watch as far as the NFL draft goes. A top 10 mock draft and then some draft on draft. So if you've been one of those people who's like, hey, we wish you guys would get back to the draft. Today is a lot of that for you. And a reminder, because we're coming up on it. Two weeks away, basically. November 9th, we'll be at Alabama LSU, which thank you, LSU, for beating Auburn. Thank you for Alabama beating Arkansas because we still have the top two teams in the country. Now LSU is number one. This game is going to be wild, and we want you guys to come tailgate with us on the quad November 9th. Um, as early as they let us in there, I think it'll be around 7 a.m. up until kickoff. Yeah, I mean, look, there was a couple of scares in that LSU game where we're like, come on, why would this happen to right. us now? But I think God we – uh, we lucked out here, and once again, uh, we're expecting a surprise guest to join right. us on the quad that I think a lot of people... Will... The CEO of Bleacher Report texted me, and he was like, who's the surprise guest? <laughs> Sam, I'm not going to tell you. No, don't. Don't tell anyone. I told him, because he could fire me. Uh, that's fair. So, he that's knows. His top so it's going to leak now. Yeah, I was going to say. going to tell everyone. And now, I, when it gets out, I know why the surprise <laughs> is ruined. Right. Uh, but for real, it's. I think people are going to have a blast. We're going to have food. Matt and Miller are driving. God bless them. So we'll have every all the equipment. Yeah. We even have the tablecloth that we almost forgot in the pub last night. Thank you, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) I grabbed that. Lefko grabbed all the koozies. There's a team effort over here at Bleach Report. That's how we work. Teamwork makes the dream work. But we got to talk about some football here, Matt, some American football. We do, buddy. And um, two of my teams remain undefeated, which is good. It's I know how to pick them. And your third one put up a hell of a fight. They really did, without their MVP quarterback, who apparently has robotic knees. But the Niners and Patriots stay undefeated, both doing it on the strengths of their defense. The Patriots didn't look great against the Cleveland Browns, but their defense was able to just completely confuse Baker Mayfield. I mean, Baker's pitching the ball to defensive linemen. It was not a good look for the Browns, who they continue to just fall apart offensively week after week. Uh, They really do, and it's a shame because you look at a guy like Nick Chubb, who uh, you know I think is one of the better running backs in football right now. It was so uncharacteristic almost of him to fumble the way he was. And like you said, the turnovers from Baker, and this is a hungry New England defense. Those guys up front, I know we've given a lot of love to the secondary, whether it's McCourty, you know, whether it's obviously the best cornerback in football and Gilmore. But you look at these linebackers and how they're getting it done, whether it's Van Noy, who's resurrected his so career. Amazing. I mean, from an underappreciated or underdeveloped player at one time, he goes to New England and becomes what looks like an all-pro caliber player. Yeah, they have Hightower there. Jamie Collins, is. it's just hilarious when you look at how New England does it, and that's why coaching matters. And, and I think when it comes down to it right now, New England is just showing why. You know, the Browns got a lot of hype this summer, and I get it, and everyone's guilty of that. But New England's showing why they've been, you know, the kings of the castle here for quite some time. For 20 years. Yeah. Like, they're still good for 20 years. I mean, I was a little kid when this started. That's right. I was in high school. That's how long ago this was. It's ridiculous when you think of it like that. Wow. Yeah. I know my, my daughter has never lived in a world where the Patriots are bad. And she's I, a freshman in college. There you go. I, I'm quite over it, to be completely transparent. <laughs> but I've also just grown to accept it. Right. So. Uh, yeah. And the Niners, I think they're... Listen, they're not taking the Patriots model per se, but it is you know, the strong defense, the good run game, play action passing. I, I hope 
as a fan and as an analyst, I hope we see the Niners passing game wake up now that Emmanuel Sanders is there. Hopefully that'll give people like George Kittle more targets. We saw Sanders get a touchdown in his first game. We saw Tevin Coleman really have a big impact coming out of the backfield. So maybe more balance offensively is, is really what the Niners needed. They also, they have to get healthy up front. I was just going to say. Joe Staley will come back. Mike McGlinchey will come back. And I hope and pray that this really we see the passing game open up because it has been a little cautious so far this year. Yeah, I think for the Niners, like you just pointed out to Matt, they're a team waiting to get all the way healthy. Uh, I think coaching, when you could tell if there's great coaching, is when they can make adjustments without starting players. And I think not just Kyle Shanahan, but even the defensive staff in San Francisco has really done a marvelous job. And, you know, another thing we talked about on the Monday show that came out late in case you missed it is how Nick Bosa just looks like possibly, you know, one of the best defensive players in all of football right now. Not rookie. One of the best defensive players in all of football. Absolutely does. And and I will say, we are recording this Monday. I have to think about what day it was. Monday. So we are recording this before the trade deadline is over. The show comes out Wednesday. So we apologize, but that's the way the schedule works. But I do want to talk about the trade deadline because Kenyon Drake was trading to the Cardinals for a conditional 2020 pick as we were recording uh, here on Monday. Kenyon Drake to the Cardinals. There's some other trades that I'm actually getting some text about as we're recording, and we'll jump into that. But my initial reaction to you when the, the Drake trade came through was, this doesn't make sense yeah, to me. Why? A team that is three, four, and one with the Seahawks, Niners, and Rams ahead of them in their division, but also Kenyon Drake is a free agent after this year. So, one thing I said to you, maybe they believe they can get a higher compensatory selection if he leaves in free agency. But this is a weird move to me for a team that I, I guess they believe they still have some ability to make a push here down the run. And I think also maybe they're just looking for a complimentary piece for Kyler Murray right now while they continue to develop him under this Cliff Kingsbury offense. And I think, you know, you can't really uh, undervalue that if they feel and I liked Kenyon Drake uh, as a pass-catching kind of back, a back-in-space that has explosive playability. Uh, I think the relationship with Cliff will be better than what he's had in the NFL. I know uh, you know, my favorite coach, Adam Gase, soured on him quite quickly while in Miami. I can't Very speak much. to what the new staff in Miami feels about him, but considering how willing they were to not really play him and trade him, it kind of tells you everything you need to know. It does. I, I think you know David Johnson's been hurt. On and off again. I think the Cardinals don't have an offensive line. I think Cliff is is doing everything he can. I think he's done a pretty damn good job of it. And, and I think that they want to see what they have in Kenyon Drake. And Drake might, you know, feel like, hey, if this is a place that wants me and knows how to utilize me, maybe I sign an in-season extension here rather than hit free agency, roll the dice on going somewhere else where I get buried under the depth chart. And once again, I do think he could be more than just a running back. Some other trade deadline uh, rumors that are out there right now. And again, by Wednesday. This could have all fallen apart, but I I feel like it's still kind of fun to tell you at least what we're hearing before it happens. I know we've said last week even we didn't expect the Chiefs to make a move. I am now thinking that they tried to get something done at the cornerback position. Uh, Darius Slay is available. Keith Tlaib's available. Trey Waynes might be available. So I think the Chiefs now knowing they're going to get Mahomes back maybe this coming week against the Vikings, if not the week following against the Titans, I think they realize like, okay, we're still in this thing. The season's not going to fall apart. They might try to make a move. Uh, It sounds like the Falcons might be sellers. I mean, we can see Dan Quinn fired. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Falcons move off some guys. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think when you look at it, let's start with the going back to the Chiefs point. We've seen Brett Beach be a pedal to the metal kind of guy. Yeah. And now that Mahomes is expected to come back early, a hat off to Andy Reid for making Matt Moore give the Packers everything that Chiefs team had. 
That would be, I would applaud that. I would be excited to see them get some secondary help and not pay the premium price the Rams did for Jalen Ramsey. I'm with you. I think the Falcons do need to move some players and maybe think about blowing this thing up soon. Uh, We talked about this on the Friday show last week. Robbie Anderson is on the trade uh, block. Leonard Williams is on the trade block. Uh, The Oakland Raiders have been tied to them. I know Green Bay is looking for a wide receiver. I know Joe Douglas would want day two selections for both of those guys. And I don't even think you could sit there and say, hey, we're a good team that will give us our third. If you're a good team that's making the playoffs, the Jets are going to want a second-round pick because it'll be still later in the round. You're talking about pick 55 to 64 kind of range. So it'll be curious to see how the Jets hold out with those two guys there. And honestly, this list goes on and on. I think it's it's more fun now. The tra- I remember when me and Matt started this show back in 2017, the trade deadline was this thing where me and him would joke on the show. Yeah, you can go back and listen happen. to it and be like, yeah, we have to talk about this because it's really required this week, but nothing ever happens. Fast forward a couple of years, it's almost turned into this NBA, MLB style it. trade it's deadline. It's great. It, GMs are being aggressive. They're utilizing not just their draft picks for ready now players, but also knowing how to attack cap space and compensatory picks. And I think it's a lot of fun. So get ready for a fun Friday show where we recap the yep. rest of those moves with Melo it, joining us. It is going to be great. Uh, I do want to talk about your guy before we, we get to our second segment. Sammy Darnold, uh, who was my number one quarterback in that class. He was Melo's number one quarterback in that class. He has thrown seven interceptions in seven days not great Bob I know there are a lot of reasons and I'm not trying to turn this into a Jets podcast there's a lot of reasons the offensive line is shit that we're seeing them that obviously I don't like the receiver group because they're breaking it apart but my level of concern for Sam Darnold as someone who wants him to succeed is pretty high right now it should be here's the thing with Sam Darnold all of the things that Jeremy Bates improved last year which does not get talked about enough Never fumbled with Jeremy Bates. Right. He was a fumbling machine in college. Now he's a fumbling machine again. Uh, and I know a lot of quarterbacks, especially young ones, are having this problem. We've seen it with Josh Allen. We've seen it with Daniel Jones like crazy this year. It happens, but it's correctable. But he's throwing off his back foot. He's just throwing into coverage. And it's frustrating because you look at the numbers and it's like, well, he's completing a ton of passes against a good Jacksonville defense. But three really bad decisions where you could argue Robbie Anderson didn't do him favor any favors on one of them are eating Sam Darnold up right now. And that was always the, uh, you know, the narrative at USC is, hey, man, if he cuts back on some of these all world potential. Right. And you watch the Cowboys game, a bad interception in that one, but he killed it the rest of that game. You go back to New England and Jacksonville. Uh, they're losing for a lot of reasons, but Sam Darnold does not get a pass on why they're also losing. Uh, yeah, and but, this transitions to a guy who also turned the ball over a lot in college that we worried about, and he's continued to do it in the NFL, and that's Jameis Winston. And so I think if you're a Sam Darnold fan, it's, okay, hope to God he doesn't become that on the field. The off-field, is, there's no comparison. No. You hope he becomes Deshaun Watson, who was able to overcome a lot of turnovers his last year in college. And I think even early in his career, he was still turning the ball over a little bit too much. But with Jameis Winston, just blank answer on this. Buy or sell Jameis as the Bucks quarterback next year? Oh, I'm selling. I couldn't sell more. I'll sell everything I own. <laughs> right. I, listen, I know Bruce Arians is saying all the right things. And Bruce Arians did the right thing by taking this job, tying himself to a GM that really needed some saving at the time. And said, hey, I'll give it a shot for a year and see what we have. And Bruce is still saying the right things. This team is drafting a quarterback. Come on. And the big caveat is, who's going to fall to them? Are they? Gonna, there's so many bad teams. There are teams, many teams, worse than the Bucks, 
where they might have to be aggressive and trade up for someone. But if you know Bruce, right, Jacob Eason, Jordan Love, like those guys are probably going to trickle down. Bruce loves those big arm players. Right. Even Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, if he falls that far. I still, and I know you've said this a lot, Matt. We're not super high on Justin Herbert. I still think the league will be very high on Justin. Somebody. Not everybody. It's going to happen, yeah. It's going to Not everybody. So the Bucks. And, and I should give you some time. Are you buying or selling? Games? Oh, I'm selling. I'm you, but you sold selling. years yeah. ago. <laughs> I was out like after his rookie year. Uh, yeah, I'm selling. And I would say the same about Mariota, obviously. Um, you know, who's been benched to Tennessee. Yeah, I would sell the Bucks right now. Hold a ninth pick in the draft. So they're they're drafting early enough. You can get a quarterback. You get a quarterback and there. We're gonna. We're going to talk it. about that. We're going to do it soon. We'll see if they get their quarterback. Let's take a break. When we come back. We'll give you some stock watch around the NFL draft season from last week in college football. All right, Connor, it's time to play a little stock watch. And you can't talk about someone whose stock is going up without mentioning Chase Young, the defensive end from Ohio State. You guys are going to get tired of hearing about him. He's that good, though. And he did it again. Four sacks on Saturday against Wisconsin. Double digit on the year. He has a chance to break the single season record at Ohio State. He has a chance to break the career record at Ohio State. He should be the number one player in the draft, period. Like I always say, it's an ink. It's done. If this show had a Heisman vote, that would be it. And it's bullshit we don't. But We still are frustrated that we don't. Chase Young is your Heisman Trophy winner right now. And Matt, I I can't disagree with you there. I mean, look at what he does every week. And you're always going to have some people go, I remember the first Chase Young uh, clip I tweeted out this year. And then like the second one the next week. And people were like, well, yeah, look who he's playing. How about now? What about now? What, four, right? Four sacks against Wisconsin, or is it three? I, I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter. Right. He's he's beating top competition. You just look at what Chase Young does, and, and it's been phenomenal. He's the best player in this draft. I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball as well. And Matt, I'm sorry to do this to you. No, you have to. And don't get me wrong. He gave up a couple catches. Let's not yeah. act like he was perfect. Jeff Gladney from TCU, when we did our Fixing the Jets mock draft, and Matt had him going to the Jets, I believe, in the second round. Yeah. This is why Jeff Gladney is a feisty, sticky corner in the Big 12 for TCU. And he did it against a guy like Colin Johnson, who has quite a few inches on every corner he comes across. I I love Gladney. I know you've been a big fan of Gladney. And Jeff Okuda is amazing. Uh, You know, Christian Fulton has had a really nice year at LSU. There's eligible corners in this class that are very good. But Jeff Gladney needs to be in this conversation going forward as a guy that can impact your team next year. Top 40 for me. Um, There you go. Top 40. And uh, not to pat myself on the back or anything like that, because that's not what we do here. We try to make fun of our misses. But his rise reminds me a lot of where we were with Rocky Sin last year, where I think we were early on him. And tried to educate people like, hey, this is a player that's going to go top 40. Uh, he ended up 34 overall. So I think I think Gladney has a chance to, to rise in that level. I mean, he's in my top 40, so he's already there. Stock down for me. This one hurts because we love him. But Jonathan Taylor, the question has been, can he get it done against a great team? 52 yards against Ohio State. And I know they fell behind and they, they had to throw the ball a little bit, but... He was bottled up. He looked frustrated. It's honestly the worst game I can remember seeing him play. Yeah, I think what's frustrating with Taylor is you look at some of the backs drafted early in recent years, and not all of them. There's been plenty of power kind of guys. And I I think Taylor is more athletic than people give him credit for. I agree, yeah. But he's not McCaffrey, Kamara, Saquon, or even DeAndre Swift in open space. He's just not that kind of guy. And he's a good, he's probably a great player. But I think this is a game where you look at it and you go, hey, can he take over? 
even against a defense with elite athletes, and he just didn't. That's what's frustrating. Right. A running back that I do have stock up, who has had his own fair share of questions this year, but Clemson is leaning back on Travis Etienne the last three weeks. He's gone over 100 yards after a stretch of not even coming close to 100 yards. It's almost like they saw all the questions about their young quarterback and said, hey, when he, this kid came in and took over for Kelly Bryant, we, lo- we leaned on Travis Etienne. He's struggling now, and obviously the young quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Let's lean back on Travis Etienne. These three games, he's been phenomenal. I mean, two weeks ago, he averages over 13 yards a carry. And this week, he gets in the end zone three times against Boston College. It's good to see Etienne as a pure runner do the kind of damage he did last year, these last three weeks. Yeah, I've been waiting for it. We, it took a while. Like, Let's be fair. Yeah, it's going to happen. And even earlier in the year when we would talk about what's going on with Trevor Lawrence, how do you fix it, we kept saying, go back to Help the well. Help him out. He's a young quarterback. Exactly. Go back to, to Travis Etienne. And, yeah, they whipped Boston College. 59-7. to seven. It's amazing. It's not pretty. Not Sh- pretty. Shout out to Ollie from the College Chaps podcast we met here, who is a diehard Boston College fan in London. Yeah, wearing a jersey, a Boston College jersey. The passion here is uh, not left at the doorstep. Right. All right, last stock up for me, and it's two players who actually were in this same game. LaVisca Chenault, wide receiver Colorado, and Michael Pittman Jr., wide receiver USC. Chenault went 9 for 172. Pittman went 7 for 156. USC won this game. But both players... And I know we've like talked about Chanel, like where does he play? I've been I know screaming running, running back, back, and then he goes off at the wide right, receiver. Like, where does he play? I still have him in the first round. But it, it's going to be scheme specific. I would love to see him in an offense like Philadelphia where they would utilize him, get him a lot of designated touches where you're not just a wide receiver. You're someone who is, is going to have some schemed touches, some you know find ways to get you the ball, whether it's jet sweeps, put you in the yes. backfield. You know, quick screens. Uh, Chanel is a phenomenal player. Michael Pittman's just physical as hell. Uh, I, I, someone in the in the pub asked me like, "Who does Michael Pittman remind you of?" And I was like, "DK Metcalf without the hype. Like he's just so physical. He's so big, and, and he's probably not going to run a four. Yeah, like that's DK, the difference. But he's probably going to run a three cone that's not in the seven second range. So there's that. I mean, he's a big dude. It's ridiculous to watch a wide receiver. He's rocked up. He's like he's kind of built like Evan Ingram was, but he really plays wide receiver. They don't like play him as this fake yeah. tight end. So I think when you look at him, uh, that size is great, and I think he's someone that should go to the Senior Bowl and get in those one on ones and, and bully some cornerbacks. So uh, I like those picks there. And back to Chanel, it's good to see him. We were screaming, "Get this guy involved!" Where is the involvement? Why am I going on? to watch Colorado every week when we land back from the tailgate tour. And I see in the sheet that Chenault had four targets, two catches, 22 yards. Right. Tired of it. And you know what? It's good to see them go against a tough USC team that does have some talent on the defense, and, and he was the guy. Yeah, it's cra- I, So I, this is a funny thing that happens when you're in the U.K. I've never been here before. I Googled Michael Pittman Jr. because, like, how much do they list him at? Well, he's listed at 1.93 meters and 99 kilograms over here. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means, but I'll tell you that he's probably 6'1", 230. <laughs> yeah, I have to Google a Maybe translator to, to figure that out. All right, let's take a break. We come back. We're going to rip through a top 10 mock draft with the updated order. It is Monday when we're recording, not when you're listening. So we're going to do a mock draft Monday for you that comes out on Wednesday. I know that was confusing, but that was it was on purpose. So number one overall, this has not changed. The Cincinnati Bengals gonna. are still projected to have the first pick in the draft. And I, I really did think about, should I give them Chase Young? Should I give them Joe Burrow? 
I'm going to give them to a Tagovailoa. We're trying to keep this realistic, what we think will happen, yeah. what we're hearing will happen. As of now, Tua would still be the first pick. And that's why with the Dolphins somehow picking at two, and if they beat the Jets next weekend, they're only going to fall back. But I have the Dolphins taking Joe Burrow, and I thought really hard about this with Chase Young. I, I really did, Matt. And it goes back to something we always say, and th- this is us trying to predict what's going to happen. This is not right. what we're going to do. When teams believe a guy could be a good NFL quarterback, they take him. The Giants last year proved this theory as right as it could ever be where nobody was taking Daniel Jones, I don't think, in the top 14 picks or whatever it was, where the Giants could have rolled the dice and packaged their second first rounder to come back up for him after taking a pass rusher at six. But they didn't do that because they had the belief that Daniel Jones will be a good quarterback and it doesn't matter where we take him. I could see the Dolphins falling into the same kind of idea with Joe Burrow at second overall. And when you back yourself into a corner, remember they did this with Ryan Tannehill. They backed themselves into a corner, not saying Joe Burrow will be Ryan Tannehill, but they've they've done this in the past. Number three right now would be the Washington Redskins. You have to believe that Dwayne Haskins will get a chance next year. I know Adrian Peterson had some comments earlier this week about how um, he thought Haskins needed to study more. We'll see what happens there. That's I'm not scary. ready to say it's over with Dwayne Haskins, but I think you have to at least wonder a little bit, like, okay, what's going on behind closed doors there? For the time being, Chase Young, number one player on my board, that's not for the time being, that's forever. I, I think they have to go pass rusher here, even after getting Montez Sweat last year. Ryan Kerrigan's getting older. This is still a big need for them, and Chase Young is clearly the best player on the board. Yeah, you're not going to get any kind of argument from me there. My biggest question is who's going to be making this draft pick, yeah. and will they come in and take the job and say, I'm only taking the job if you let me pick my quarterback, and then it goes, is Haskins going to get Rosened? Right. I'm just saying. Or or Jimmy Clausen. Yeah, whew, that was... Well, I don't even want to get into Jimmy Clausen. Jesus. All right. Number four. I don't know how this team is here. The Atlanta Falcons are somehow picking fourth and they need a lot of help. I don't think anything's changing with Matt Ryan as their quarterback, and that's fine. So I'm going to go with Jeff Okuda here at four. And, you know, people are going to raise an eyebrow cornerback at fourth overall. He's that good. Matt has brought up that he could be his highest graded cornerback we've seen in quite some time. And I think when you look at Atlanta, they're going to be very best player available approach here where if Chase Young is gone, they might look in the other direction on defense. And they've invested a lot at wide receiver in recent years where I don't think this would be a Jerry Judy spot. That's what I I think, too. Like they like Calvin Ridley. Yes, a lot. Obviously, Julio, as long as he's there, they're set at wide receiver. I I have put Akuda to them a lot in my mock drafts as well. It just makes a lot of sense. But again, we don't know who's going to be making this pick. We don't know who's going to be coaching this team. And there could be major shakeups in Atlanta over the offseason that I wouldn't rule out any position at this point. No. Because they, they just obviously have needs everywhere. Number five, the New York Giants. This is not the best player available for me. That would be Jerry Judy. But I don't see them drafting a receiver this early. I went with Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle from Georgia. Nate Solder is on the trade block. He may have been traded by the time we're talking. You guys are listening to the show. Excuse me. I think Andrew Thomas, I still have questions about his ability to hold up against speed on the outside, but he's so physical. He's technically very, very sound. I think he's going to be a good left tackle in the NFL, and the Giants badly need that right now. They really do. Daniel Jones is taking quite the beating early on here. He's taking some really big shots early in his career, as a lot of these young quarterbacks have, because they don't have the offensive line figured out. I mean, we saw it at a time with Carson Wentz. We saw it at a time with Jared Goff, then Deshaun Watson. The list goes on and on. So I love that pick for the Giants, and it puts me in a tough spot at six for the Jets because people are screaming, this is an awful offensive line. I agree. But there's no one I'm taking here over Jerry Judy. I think if you go into this direction, 
Joe Douglas has to go into the offseason like this. They have a lot of money to spend. He needs to buy an offensive line. Exactly. And you need to go into the draft with flexibility where you're probably going to use some of your mid-round picks, hopefully more after the trade deadline, on offensive line. But if Andrew Thomas is not there when you pick in the first round and Jerry Judy is. It's easy money. When was the last number one wide receiver the Jets had? Oh, my God. Brandon Marshall was for one year. Uh, Keyshawn? One year. (laughs) Does Wayne Krebeck count? It's just, and you had like flashes of Santonio Holmes and Brown Edwards, but that was a duo. You need a go-to target for your young quarterback. That's maybe the last one. Yeah, Yeah. I mean. And they traded his ass real quick, which is, I was a young, angry person. Right, exactly. No, I agree with you. And I I would pick Judy here as well. I know Jets fans be like, we need offensive line help. You do, but as you said, you're going to have to buy that right now. Yeah. Because I I don't know that there's a left tackle uh, to take at number six overall. Number seven is the Denver Broncos. I believe that they will give Drew Locke a chance next year to be the quarterback of this team. So I I have them going defensive line. Uh, Derek Wolf will be a free agent, I believe. AJ Epinesa has not had the big statistical season that I think a lot of us expected, but he's still really, really good at football. He's still a very high draft prospect. I think Epinesa fits this team perfectly. Vic Fangio had a lot of success with guys like Justin Smith. Oh yeah. He had Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks looking amazing in Chicago. I think Epinesa would be a perfect fit for Vic Fangio's defense as long as he's still the head coach there. Yeah, I still believe in Epinesa. I know people get frustrated with the lack of stats and production, but I think he's got traits uh, for days is what I would say. Number eight is the Arizona Cardinals. Now, unlike the Jets where I couldn't take this guy over Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy's off the board now at eight for Arizona. Much like the Jets, they need offensive line help. And that's why we're going to go Tristan Wirfs here. I think they need a tackle, somebody that has played right tackle. Matt has you know, said many times on this show that there's a belief he can play on the left side if needed. Uh, the Cardinals are another one of these teams that just needs to keep stacking the deck with offensive linemen, and Warps would be the next guy up. Yeah, I think with me, I, I agree. They need offensive line help badly, and I love Tristan Warps. I don't know if we'll see. I don't know if Kingsbury's going to value offensive line. I don't know either. Which I would hope be so. A hell of a strategy, but I really don't. I really don't know what his plan is going to be there. So this is going to be interesting to watch. At nine, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I really wanted to go Grant Delpit here because they've missed out on safeties in the past. Had to go quarterback, though. Uh, Justin Herbert goes here for me. I, I think we've we've tried to be really transparent about our individual beliefs about the quarterback class. I think Justin Herbert has all the tools in the world. He's going to look really, really pretty throwing the football. He's got a big arm. He's a good athlete. Everybody says he's a good kid. I, I, the only questions have been about like toughness, football toughness. Um, his head coach, Mario Cristobal, has shot that down and said he's incredibly tough. He's not worried about that. I think sure. Herbert fits what Bruce Arians wants. Yeah, someone that, they can move and someone they can throw the ball down the field. And that's going to be the big question. Bruce Arians might uh, love the way the picture is painted, but I don't know if he'll really sit down with him and, and be like, "Hey, this is my kind of my kind of guy." I don't know. We'll see. So quarterback has to be has to be on the on the radar for Tampa right now, and I think it will be when all is said and done. All right, number ten here. I'm going to finish thing, this thing out with a very unconventional pick, and that's all going to come down to medical. Trey Smith from Tennessee was a five-star recruit that came in as a freshman and was a phenomenal football player. Then the blood clot situation happened that took him off the field for a very long time. He has been back this year. He's not playing tackle. He's playing guard. I saw him kick the shit out of a couple (laughs) players on Alabama. Right. If you can do that, you are probably going to be a very good NFL player. Now, this comes with the caveat here that if Trey Smith has some medical problems arise at the combine, he's simply not going to go in the first round no matter how good he is. But on tape, and this has been the way since he was in high school, he is a first-round caliber offensive lineman, 
And the Dolphins desperately need one of those. And this would be, this is the earliest you'll see Trey Smith anywhere right now, but I am fully a believer in this guy's talent. I'm interested to see, like you said, the medicals. I'm also interested to see, does he come out? Or yeah. does he try to stay and get more tape? Because, yeah, this was a five-star kid who was looked at very, very good as a true freshman playing left tackle. And then, yeah, we see him miss mostly the 2018 season with the blood clots. So, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to watch. But the, the talent is absolutely there, depending on when he decides to come out. All right, that's our mock draft. Tweet us, at Stick to Football. Leave it in your iTunes review. Let us know what you think. And also let us know when you want a full round one mock, because I'm itching to get one of those done. We'll do it. We'll be in the round two range by December this year. I can't wait. Let's do it. We got a couple draft on draft questions to close out the show this week. The first one from our guy, Jake Ramaschek. Knowing how much you guys love Mahomes, how would the NFL be different today if the Bills hadn't traded down with the Chiefs in the 2017 draft and they just took Mahomes for themselves instead? Um, the Bills might be the favorite to win the AFC this year. If they still had Sean. Mc- so you'd still have Sean yes. as head coach. And Dable. You wouldn't have Tredavious White, who's really good. That's fair. But, I mean, yeah, I think they would be a, they're definitely a playoff team and they would be the favorite. They would probably be the favorites when they have seat. At least it would be they'd be in this conversation with New England and well, you take away Kansas City now. Right. That's what's the, crazy. So I still think that the Bills, like they would have bought their offensive line. They would have had to really attack the wide receiver groups differently because yes. that's one thing. And even talking to people in Buffalo, they're like, Yeah, we need receivers, but we had to buy, we had to build an offensive line. So like the receivers come next. With yeah. Pat, I think he would have needed those weapons a little bit earlier i think so too i mean we love pat and pat is the best quarterback in football but it's when you watch it's amazing how seamless the fit is in andy Reid's offense with tyree kill Mikol hardman now right i mean and then even the complimentary pieces like last year instead of drafting at Oliver, they might have had to draft a receiver, you know, or, sure. or TJ Hawkins, Marquise Brown. Yeah. Or instead of Tremaine Edmonds the year before, they might have had to, you know, go after a more of a premier wide receiver. But it's fun to think about. It is. What would how different it would be. And also, and this is something that Pat has said before to us, you know, that year getting to sit behind Alex Smith helped him so much. If he had been drafted in Buffalo, he would have forced in. I don't know if he would be where he is right now. I think he would have got there, but I don't not know. Not that if, early. I, don't, I mean, he's not going to throw 50 touchdowns exactly. in his second year you know, in the NFL. In his first year as a starter. Right. But it's fun to think about. It is. He I, would look good in that uniform. Revisionist, <laughs> revisionist is the best way to do it. Like, what if the, Jet, the Jets took Deshaun Watson? The quarterback's more right. expensive. What if the Browns, might, it would be no difference if they took Sam Darnold first. Or if they take They'd still be Wentz. turning the ball over. That one's interesting. Yeah. I still don't know what Wentz or Goff are. Which is unbelievable. This far down the road. No idea. I know you and Lefko had the bet. uh, Who's going to be better, Goff or Wentz? And I think Goff's better than Wentz. I don't even know how to answer it anymore. That's, that's, I mean, the best ability is availability. Yeah. Wentz is hurt. His locker room doesn't like him. I mean, that's another story I just can't figure out. (laughs) So I'm just getting into conspiracy theories now. It's fun. Justin Bodfield. Who in the 2020 draft class is your dream combination with coach and player? His. Colorado's LaVisca Chanel and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. That's not one that's I expected to hear, but I like it. I just want to make it clear. Ooh, I don't want to make one too obvious. Right. Uh, CD Lamb on the 49ers. Oh, God, that would be amazing. I was going to not take it like the Niners because that's like that's an why I did it for one. you. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, this is so much harder. Mine is Joe Burrow and the Titans. I was just going to say. Like, that's the one that's I keep begging. Like, please, God, let this happen. I don't know if it actually will or not. Eason on the Bucks. 
That makes a lot of sense. It's like his new yeah. Carson Palmer. Exactly. So they are a lot alike. I, I know I did it in the mock draft, but I think Epinesa fits Denver really, really well. As long again, as long as uh, Fangio is there, you know they went like really tough last year with Dalton Reisner and yeah. you know, trying to build up the offensive and defensive lines. I think those are good fits. Uh, yeah, this is that's a fun game to play. If I could be like tr- complete homer, this would never happen. But Henry Ruggs in Kansas City, of course. They would have four, three guys running sub four three basically. Oh, it'd be absolutely ridiculous. You wouldn't be able to stop them. No, R- Rugs fascinates me. This I got thinking about this the other day when it came out, and I believe it was Vic Tafer just to give proper credit that said Oakland was interested in Robbie Anderson, and I sit there and I go, I hate that landing spot for Robbie right. Anderson, and it makes you go, what if like somebody with a very underwhelming vertical attack drafts Henry Ruggs? Like when the Bengals took John Ross. Right. And I want to make this very clear. Henry Ruggs is a better prospect All than John Ross. Better. I want to make that very clear. But the point is, the fit matters so much yeah. for someone like Ruggs. Where it, listen, if Will Fuller is going to get hurt every single year, yeah, go to the Houston. Texans don't have any picks. Right. But like that's a team that could throw the ball down the field. Right. The Saints and Henry Ruggs. And they need a number two. God damn, that would be great. They really need a number I two. Would. Yeah, you could catch me rooting for the Saints a lot if they had that would be fun. And Mike Thomas, shit, that would be really Uh, fun. One more, Kenneth Murray to the Ravens, great fit. Yep, and they love those Oklahoma boys. Where would you want to see Chase Young go if you can go anywhere? Anywhere, I mean, but like, where would you really want to see him go? Not Miami. That's the point. Yeah, get away from the Bengals, Jets, right? Miami, bad teams, the Giants. I'd like to see him go to the Giants. He and Saquon on the same team would be awesome. Sure. Uh, <laughs> You're like, I hate you. Super fun. We're not friends anymore. I'd want to see him on Seattle. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would I was be... trying to be somewhat realistic. No, no, no. That's why we do this show. We take things completely out of control. Well, if I could put him anywhere, it'd be San Francisco opposite well, Nick, Nick Bosa. Bosa. And then D Ford plays like four snaps a game but has three sacks. Every you know what Like you're going to hate, but he would flourish in New England. Oh, he would kill it. Like. He's disciplined, but right. he can get after the quarterback. Yeah. Good thing is, that's not happening. No, they would have to trade their entire draft. And the draft after that. Right. Watch him go to Cleveland just because God hates me. He and Miles, yeah, Miles Garrett. Garrett. Yeah, Baker would still throw picks. It'd be fine. Yeah, All right, last matter. question from Amon Z. Ideal first round for the Las Vegas Raiders. I keep forgetting they move after this year. So they yes, will they do. Be I, the... I flew over the stadium, it's which nice. is not. It will be nice. It wasn't. This was a while ago. It wasn't oh, very I'm close done. ready. The location looks great, though. Yeah, it's close it's to exciting. the strip. It's, it's good. very exciting. As of now, they would actually own picks 12 and 13 in the first round. Let's so, do it. Um, yeah, so I because of uh, all the work that we have to do, I, I think the wide receiver is something they have to address. So have to. At 12, I would say CeeDee Lamb yep. is where I would want them to go. Um, I, I actually like Derek Carr's deep ball ability a little bit more than you might, so I would be okay with Henry Ruggs, but CeeDee Lamb would be my ideal fit and then i would take kenneth murray one pick after that Just okay hit that oklahoma well I, I think they need middle linebacker help i mean obviously vontes perfect is gone they've really struggled to defend the middle of the field carl joseph's a free agent really their only notable one so they they have needs in the middle of the field defensively so that would be not the sexiest draft i think they need a pass That's rusher one, but i don't know if anyone's going to be there so I, I, I would go receiver and linebacker i think wide receiver will be huge for them I mean, and here's the point. If the they're interested they in Robbie Anderson, Antonio Brown, yeah, and he's gone, and now like, oh well, this is different. If they're interested in a deep threat like Robbie Anderson, that means they're interested in a deep threat overall. Yeah, and like you said, they they've tried. They haven't not tried. Right. 
So here's the question for you, though. If Isaiah Simmons falls... Oh, that's beautiful. That's yeah. the fit. That's the perfect fit. I, I know we're going to, you know, this show especially will be high on him, but players like that fall. It's just natural. Yeah, Derwin James fell to 17. Thank you. you which know, is guys, unbelievable. Guys just naturally fall a little bit because of positional value. So yep. I think that would be a really interesting fit. God, if you get Simmons at 12 and CeeDee Lamb at 13... That's an amazing year for the Raiders. Or Simmons at 12, Ruggs at 13. Like That's a, a good fit. One player I could definitely see being a Raider is Derek Brown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not the biggest need for them, I don't no. think. But he, he fits what Mayock wants. That's it. I mean, look at what they did last year. Yep. They took Cleveland Farrell about 10 spots higher than anyone expected him to go. Maybe 20. Maybe. But, you know, I know Abram got hurt. Right. But they have, a, they have a type of player. Josh yep. Jacobs has been very good. And it feels like he's playing through... Uh, quite the shoulder injury and, and really gutting things out, but he's been very good. So when it comes down to it, I mean, Oakland's a team that has – they're going to be easier for us to cross players off the board for this year. I think so. They just won't take character players in the first round anymore. They'll sign them in free agency. Yeah. Or trade for them. <sighs> it's kind of funny how that worked out. <laughs> right? It, it, it backfired. Not like ha-ha funny, but like, oh, yeah, that's like interesting. Ironically funny. Sorry, right. Yeah, they are, they're knocking on the door. They're too polite over here to kick us out, but they're, they're peeking in. So that is our show. Connor Mello and I will be back Friday. I will be jet-lagged as a jet-lagged person. An mf <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be We got some feedback about the curse words with the kids in the car over here. Yeah, so yeah, er, we're just trying to try not to as much. So, yeah, we will be jet-lagged, but it'll be fun. So Friday, look for a new Stick to Football. Thanks again to everyone at BR London for Amazing letting us crew. hang out in the office and to the BR Football Ranks guys for being awesome hosts this week. Mm-hmm.